So who looks more ridiculous? Richard E. Grant in this costume they found at a Goodwill in San Francisco or Hiddleston in that Smurf guard uniform? Richard E. Grant. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. He looks like a washed up children's birthday party entertainer. Yeah, you know, I felt bad for Paul Bettany when he was being comic vision. I take that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So a few years ago, a lousy doctor put me on some thyroid medication that turns out is very dangerous for someone with lupus, which didn't know I had at the time. And it caused me to have like crazy heart palpitations and sweat like a pig just sitting in my living room. And I thought at times my heart was just going to pop right out of my chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The ending to episode four took me right back there. Mm-hmm. till i yeah till three and a half seconds after the credits rolled my closed my mouth and looked at my phone and saw telegram message amy there's a big credit scene <laughs> so you should credit your current sanity and health to me yes at this point yes because that message allowed me to take a full breath again okay so should i get a thank you Thank you, Amy. You see, she has to be thanked, people. <laughs> I now understand why Tom Hiddleston was so shocked when he got to the script of this episode. Like, what the fuck? It's my show. <laughs> yeah, true. He probably was, must have been wondering, I just signed a contract. Are they firing me without telling me? Yes, I'm sure it was much more polite than I just let on. Uh <laughs> In true Tom fashion. But that wasn't the mm-hmm. only shock of this episode, for sure. No. So the biggest shock for me was that you were right. Oh, that's right. I have been calling Ravona Renslayer that bitch since episode one, and somebody wouldn't let me call her that bitch on the podcast. Yes. Yes, that's true. That's true. You kept telling me, we don't know. We can't be sure. I'm like, I'm fucking sure. She's gotta go. Yes. So now you have carte blanche to call her whatever you want. That's right. But with that said, Gugu Mabafa Raw is amazing and I love her. Yeah, she's fantastic. That's why I hate Renslayer so much is because Gugu Mabafa Raw is doing such a great job with this very, and I've said it before, very Dolores Umbridge type piece of shit. She is a fucking sadist. Yeah, and she's very nuanced about it. Yes. I really like that. Yeah. She's not like a mustache twirling, you know, <laughs> ha ha ha, evil person. Yeah. I mean, a mustache on her would just completely break any of the, the tension in the room. <laughs> and we will dive further into that character for sure. Yes, we will. And so much emotion, such a roller coaster ride. I was crying at several different points. And they also 
didn't screw the pooch on the cameos like WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. Although we don't know if they're cameos or, you know, these characters are going to be there in the next episode. Well, I think it's safe to say we won't see Lady Sif again. Right. Yes, that's true. Unfortunately. Yes. Oh, it was lovely to see Jamie Alexander again. Fantastic. Fantastic. I sat up straight when I saw her. I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) To hear you say about with Jamie Alexander that I sat up straight just made me laugh really hard. (laughs) Sitting up straight. I don't get it. Like sitting up straight versus sitting up queer. Like Yeah, as opposed to the usual bisexual way of sitting in a very weird, <laughs> wonky way. <laughs> well, if you're sitting on the new IKEA bisexual couch, then you're probably sitting pretty weird. Uh, I probably won't be sitting because those hands freak me out. <laughs> oh, seriously, IKEA, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You know, I I understand that it's been a while for me. I think the last time anyone's touched me was, you know, before the invention of sliced bread. <laughs> but but I would not want those embroidered hands on my ass at any point. No, no, thank or you. Or be holding those plastic arms, you know, on the side. No, thank you. No, no, for sure. Yeah. Now, I said there was so much emotion in this episode, which left me with a very conflicted brain. And you don't even roll your eyes. I hear it coming, but my brain... I didn't say a thing. Uh-huh. I didn't roll. You don't have to say anything. I feel it coming at me through the microphone. Projection much? <laughs> but my brain was just so conflicted, going in so many different directions in this episode, because half of it is emotion, and the other half is, God, he looks good, and I can't, I can't take it. I just... It's got to stop, but I don't want it to stop. But I can't take it. I was just concerned about the shirt. It was really dirty. I think he needs a change of clothes. I mean, it's changed shades. (laughs) Yes, it has. It actually has. It's It's like John McClane's shirt in Die Hard. Yeah, he needs a change. Maybe the next time loop prison he's sent to, maybe they put a washing machine there. (laughs) That would be nice. I don't think that's his most pressing priority at the moment. True. All right. So let's get into it, shall we? Yes. They keep surprising me with these cold opens. And I think it's brilliant the way they keep managing to do that. I did not expect to start this episode in Asgard. Yeah. And when we did see Asgard at first, I thought they're probably going to show us that King Loki segment. What? We saw from the trailer. Yes. But no, instead it was little baby Sylvie. This little girl reminded me of young Diana in Wonder Woman. True. Yeah, me too. And just seeing her on the floor, knowing what was about to happen, I'm like, oh my God, she's just a baby. Yeah. And she's just playing with her toys. So innocent. Yeah. And... It took me a few seconds when 
Ravona came in mm-hmm. as the as the hunter. Excuse me, say her say her proper name, please. That bitch. That's right. <laughs> Ravona, that bitch Renslayer. Okay. We'll just call her oh, RGB Renslayer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think she'd be she'd be good with me being so familiar with her, Ravona. Mm. Come here, darling. <laughs> Come hither. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second too. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? She's the hunter? Yeah. And that raised a lot of questions for me because we already knew she used to be a hunter because we've seen her old gear in her office. And the fact that she let Sylvie slip through her fingers makes me wonder how the hell did she get promoted? Yeah, true. There's so many questions. And for Sylvie here, this scene also confirms a hundred percent. She is definitely a Loki variant. She is not enchantress. She is exactly what she appears to be. Yeah. I think uh, Marvel has taken the enchantress and Lady Loki and meshed it into this character as Sylvie. Mm -hmm. Which I'm absolutely fine with. They're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that Enchantress in the comics, her abilities and her storyline is a bit sexist. I'm glad that they're taking it and changing it and making it its own. Oh, yes. And this leaves me with more questions about her past. She's here at the palace in Asgard. Is this an alternate timeline? Seeing as how it seems like the sacred timeline concept is kind of a sham. Yeah. Or or is this another dimension? Who were her parents? Is she also actually a frost giant? True. And it also, you know, brings up a question that I've been thinking about throughout this whole series that's really coming to the forefront now is what happens when these variants leave their timeline, whatever that timeline is. What happens to everyone around them? What happens to everything they influenced? What happens moving forward? Yeah, exactly. Because, okay, uh, if you say that Loki was supposed to be the god of mischief and he was he supposed to do blah, 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 what we saw in the movie in the first episode. So she was about seven, eight years old when they took her? Well, so, yeah, in human years. We don't know what, quite what the Asgardian equivalent would be. Right. So however long it is, let's say at the minimum seven years, why wait till she's seven years old if she isn't the person she's supposed to be? And what, they they reset seven years so that Loki is again reborn as a male? As our Loki? That part was what I thought was the most, was the cruelest aspect of it, was to give this child knowingly give this child that much life and just rip it away from her, knowing they were always going to do that. Right. So were they always going to do that? Or did she do something as a seven-year-old that was a Nexus event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or were they just going to let Sylvie grow up to be the goddess of mischief? Yeah. We'll put a pin in that one for now. And Right. The way Renslayer 2 just grabs this poor child like she's a thing Mm -hmm. and brings her back. Yeah, and that's no different from what we've seen the other variants, how they've been treated. Right. From all the other, with all the other hunters. 
Right. And man, I have never been so happy to see a child bite somebody and stomp on their foot. <laughs> That's my girl. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Rensselaer didn't react and let her get away. The kid took a couple of seconds to open the thing and take out the time door and run in. And there was a look that they shared. Yeah. I think for Renslayer, that was shock. She just froze because that had never happened before. But she's a hunter. She's supposed to be trained. If we, we equate the hunters to the military or the police, they're trained. I agree. Two things. One, she's just a kid. She's no threat. Two, mm. we have seen that Renslayer is extremely arrogant. So I think that was a factor. There's a part of it is a how dare you shot. Right. How, and how could this happen to me? Exactly. Because she's number right. one in her mind all the time. Mm -hmm. So Sylvie escapes. And Marvel also knows what's true is that kids are much better with technology than adults. They pick it up quicker. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Meanwhile, I'm over here patting myself on the back because I was able to connect my Bluetooth headphones to my fucking TV. You know? Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. I know when I'm being patronized and shall ignore it. Thank you very much. <laughs> you see, you give your partner a compliment and this is the way she behaves. <laughs> and then she says, I'm not complimentary <laughs> enough. So now we're back to present day timeline moment whatever you want to call it and Renslayer <laughs> must now go face the timekeepers to deal with this latest fiasco and I think this scene is very important yes it is we're basically seeing this I think from her point of view the flashback of Sylvie's capture yes that's fair and then she's steeling herself to go and speak to the timekeepers hey I say timekeepers not time lords Genuinely, I am proud of you because I may still say Sophie a couple times in this episode. Okay. <laughs> so maybe she doesn't know that they're animatronics? I think that's exactly it. Because if she knows they're animatronic, why be nervous? Why face them? Why appear? She definitely thinks they're real. Yeah. And you know what that tells me? What? She's a fucking idiot because those are Muppets. <laughs> Well, if you see in the pre in, in this scene when she walks in, we see the red eyes, but we don't see as much as we do later on in the episode. So maybe they are putting all the that the dry eyes and the lights to keep it so woo woo Wizard of Oz magic y. Oh, absolutely. It's all an illusion. Absolutely. It's a fucking like PBS after school special set. Yeah. So as yeah. much time as she's spent in there, she's a moron. <laughs> maybe she hasn't spent much time. Moron. Or maybe she does know because she didn't seem to have any kind of reaction to one of them to being beheaded. And just the fact of, you know, talking to your boss, even if you're zooming with your boss, you kind of get a bit nervous. Oh, I think she had a reaction, but we'll we'll get there. Okay. So Renslayer is going into full cover your ass mode here. She's under pressure. And God, I was just so nervous for Mobius this entire episode. He played everything with her just the wrong way. Yeah, because he <sighs> didn't know 
And he was trusting her. Yes. And she played on that trust. That bitch. Okay. I think we need a new drinking game this episode. Let me tell you something. I think I set a personal record for the amount of times I said bitch in one day yesterday. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. (gasps) Mobius makes his first mistake with her right here when he says Loki and the variant. Yeah. He spent too much time with Loki already. He thinks of him as a person. And beyond that, mm, stop pushing for that access with C20, man. Yeah, but he's doing his job. I know. And as far as Loki, I think he thinks of him more than just a person. He thinks of him as a friend. Yes. And she is reading that. She knows the alarm bells are going off for her. And that's exactly it. You're right. He's doing his job. He's too good at his job. In this type Mm -hmm. of fascist structure, the leader doesn't want other smart people around him. He wants other sycophants and idiots. (laughs) This doesn't sound familiar at all. Where they'll just (laughs) do his bidding and not question. Mobius is too smart and too good at his job for his own good. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, at this point, he doesn't know that they're fascists. We are seeing it from the outside and know how it is. Right. He doesn't. And he thinks that bitch is his friend. Right. And, you know, there were a number of surprises, a couple misdirects and some lies here. But when she tells him C-20 is dead, I immediately believed her. Oh, yep. You'd have to shut her up right away. Yeah, I believe that she was dead, but I did not believe the reason why. Of course. Yeah. So in typical fear-mongering fashion, Renslayer blames Sylvie. And, you know, this is a classic technique for a reason. It's like every cult, you know, Jim Jones was especially good at this, creating another enemy for everyone to fear, for everyone to require his protection from. Uh, And we've also seen that recently, you know, with he who shall not be named. And I don't mean Voldemort. Yeah. It's about what about them? Yeah. Look at them. They are the bad ones. And Sylvie makes the perfect scapegoat. Yeah. But to be fair, I'm not defending Renslayer. She is technically right that the reason why C20 was killed was because of Sylvie's enchantment. The best lies always have a kernel of truth. Right. Yeah. And she is a better liar than Mobius. She's had a lot more practice at it. Put it this way, outside of an interrogation. She's a better liar. He's a better interrogator. Yeah. Because he's smarter. Yeah. And that's another reason she can't have him around. He's smarter than her. So we leave the TVA here for a bit and head over to our duo on Lamentis. Yes. And they both have, at this point, accepted their fate, that they're going to die. Yes. And this is a very powerful moment for both Loki and Sylvie. Yes. So we get a little bit of an explanation for her that the universe wants to break free. So it manifests chaos. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder too, taken so young, on her own for so many hundreds and hundreds of years, how much does Sylvie actually know? Because we're going to see later, she's wrong about the timekeepers. She thinks they're real. So if she's wrong about that, 
she's got to be questioning herself now, which is why she keeps Renslayer alive. Like, what else doesn't she know? She thought she knew what the game was. True. And, you know, she's just going through her story and it is heartbreaking to hear her say, I'm not supposed to exist. Yeah. Yeah, so that line, I'm not supposed to exist, it was a fucking gut punch for me. Because I have grown up hearing that from my mum. Those of you who have listened to our Daredevil series, I briefly mentioned there that my mum is not the warmest person in the world. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't contain that. Yeah, the extent of that she knows, that's why the giggle. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why Stick from Daredevil, the character Stick, kind of pissed me off to no end because he reminded me so much of her. And so my mum is a great believer in fortune telling and palm reading and stuff like that. And some idiot fortune teller told her that she was meant to have just one child which was my brother and there's a rather large age gap between my brother and me and after I was born she always found any occasion she could to remind me that I wasn't supposed to be born and not in a oh you weren't supposed to be here but I'm so glad you're here but you weren't supposed to be here and she she kind of put it into my head she brainwashed me I was living in my own cult in a way that her health problems all started because she was pregnant with me and my dad falling sick and dying a couple of years later was because he fought with the gods and he wanted a daughter. He got the daughter, but the gods took him away, you know? So Sylvie fighting the TVA, which in their own way, they believe they're gods because they dictate who lives, who dies, who does what. Yep. Really, really resonated with me. And you know what? Fuck the TVA. Yes. Yes. I've got her saying, fuck the TVA fully and that bitch fully on board. <laughs> Yes, I have joined the dark side. Sylvie telling Loki all this makes us realize, too, she has been truly alone her entire life Mm -hmm. in a way that Loki has not and does not understand. He felt alone, but he wasn't alone. Correct. Even if he didn't want to admit it, he had a support system. Yes. So after Sylvie was taken all of these hundreds of years, she has never known love trust, friendship, real relationships of any kind, but also, and this is something Loki understands, she has never known validation. Mm -hmm. And the lovely thing about her that's different from Loki that I think he's learning from her, she doesn't crave it the way he does. And when he gives it to her freely, when, oh, that's so painful when she says that we're destined to lose and he says we may lose, Sometimes painfully, but we don't die. We survive. And then just looks at her and tells her everything she's done and says genuinely to her, the look on his face when he says that, you're amazing. 
She has never heard that before. Yeah. And how can she? She said she's been, she's grown up in apocalypses. She's been in survival mode her entire life. She never had a chance to build relationships knowing full well that within a couple of hours, whoever that person might be will be dead. Yeah. And she's been running even before she discovered this, this little secret. She's been running from one nexus event to another. Yeah. Because she's been causing them. Her existence is like a curse. Yeah. And how, how heartbreaking is that? Yeah. I mean, if I were her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit with my back to a door either. Yeah. You know? And this part hit me so hard. Her whole character, her whole being is just resonating so much with me. That look on her face when she gets that validation from Loki, I felt that in my bones. I swear, mm -hmm. this show is helping me in so many ways right now. It is helping me be kinder to myself. It is helping me recognize all the ways I have fought for my own life since I got sick 22 years ago. I know what it's like to have your life stolen as a child and not know why. And, you know, I was somewhere in between Sylvia and Loki in terms of support where, you know, 13 years old, I was being told my life was basically over and there was nothing they could do. Just pat me on the head after five minute doctor's appointment and send me away. I had no medical support whatsoever. And as far as family support, well, that's a complicated can of worms. Wasn't great. And I never received any kind of validation for all of the effort and work I was putting in to try and heal myself. And it took a very long time for me to understand that I had to let that go. I had to let go of that need. And it's clear that Sylvie has come to terms with that, that it's something she accepted. She doesn't need it. She is so incredibly strong in that way. And the thing is, when you go through what she has, when you fight for so long, and then you finally do get that validation, it means so much more because you've given up on it. So yeah, this was, uh, this was tearjerker number one for me. Yeah, I mean, I understand that bit about validation for you, very different from me. I've never had any kind of validation in my life for whatever I've done. So yeah, I get it. And I think I've reached the Sylvie stage as well. I don't need it. At this point, if anyone were actually to tell me something nice, I'd say, fuck you, you're lying. Yes, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> I can speak well, from experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken me a while to convince you that when I say nice things about you, I mean them. I I always think that you have some kind of ulterior motive. Okay, now what do you need from me? That's usually been the way for me so far. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, Loki and Sylvie have resigned themselves to their fate now. I mean, who wouldn't with what's going on around them? And yeah. they hold hands, and that's when it happens. So apparently. The timekeepers don't like people touching themselves. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, I mean, that branching of the timeline 
yeah was very erect yeah i mean i get it i understand if i too uh were to uh touch mr hiddleston in any way i am sure that certain energies would be created yes (laughs) yeah one of them being you would just you know collapse yeah pretty much yeah that's the energy so something about this energy creates enough of a blip like this you said this crazy branch that mobius has never seen before that uh uh-uh. we will be referring to that as the sacred boner <laughs> it's certainly enough that mobius and b15 are able to get a temporal lock on them and mm-hmm. b15 is cracking yeah she's keeping a strong facade which is smart. But we can see something has changed. Yes. She's playing the game in this episode better than Mobius, which is why she's still alive at the end of it. Presumably. I believe so. Hmm. The craziest thing about Hunter B-15 is that she's not actually in Marvel Comics. She was created just for the show. But if you're interested in learning more about the comics, then here's a podcast you'll enjoy. Hey, this is Chris and Lance asking you to check out our podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Each episode features one hero, villain, team or series. Learn history behind a wide variety of comic book characters and creators. Get recommendations on what storylines to read. Uncover how characters were created. Highlight adaptations in media and answer comic fandoms. What if questions? You can find us on all major streaming platforms or on most social media at CBK cast. And remember, Keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. And it also seems like, I don't know what your take on it was, but that the bombing of the so-called sacred timeline was just enough of a, of a diversion for Sylvie. It seems like they were able to dispatch those hunters quickly enough to avoid like horrific chaos, at least for now. Yeah, I think she was basically creating mischief. Mm hmm in creating all these nexus events so that all the hunters were distracted and she was able to go and defeat the timekeepers right had loki not have intervened she probably would have done that and would have realized that they were robots and probably been worse off because one she was stuck there and two her entire life's mission would have been crumbling in front of her eyes she wouldn't know what to do right And without an ally. Yes. So we see the time doors and then Loki and Sylvie are being taken back through the TVA with their time callers back on. Right. And Loki isn't as good at playing the game either as he thinks he is because as Sylvie's being taken away, Mobius sees the look on his face and he knows. Yeah. And they both look at each other. Yeah. And that connection, that is where you can see that even though it's just been a day on Lamentis, they have formed a bond. Yeah. Not only just because, well, they're both Lokis and they know each other in ways that nobody else would, but going through something like this, realizing and uh, thinking that, okay, we're both going to die together and having that heartfelt moment that neither of them would have probably had with anyone else, like you said, it creates a bond stronger than years and years of being with someone. Yes, a tremendous amount of trauma in that short period of time. That'll do it. Yeah. And we see even more of the bond 
that had already been created between Loki and Mobius because they're pissed at each other because they each think the other betrayed them, but it's more personal for both of them. They became friends. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Why did Loki think that Mobius betrayed him? Ah, I think what he means by that is the whole sham of the TVA that Mobius has bought into these lies has accepted these lies and thus betrayed Loki in that regard because he refuses, in Loki's mind, he refuses to see the truth about this place he's working for. But Loki hadn't told Mobius about it yet. No, but I think his point is they've always been bad. You should see that this place has always been bad. They've had this conversation before. Unless Loki thought that Mobius knew. Maybe not about the variant bit, but about the the other stuff. Or the whole concept of the sacred timeline being a sham. He may think Mobius knows more than he does, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, maybe. So instead of, uh, you know, the old cop trick of beating a suspect up with a phone book, instead, Mobius sends Loki through a time door to uh, soften him up a little bit. Yeah. And you can see with Mobius's behavior that he is genuinely pissed off. Mm-hmm. He does genuinely feel betrayed. This isn't an act. No. He had trusted Loki and then Loki went away. And there's somebody else who doesn't trust Loki very much. Or shall I say, you conniving, craven, pathetic worm. <laughs> I must say, for this show, she must not have had too much trouble remembering her lines. It's just the two lines. <laughs> and what a great line that was. Yeah, it is. And I was so happy to see her. Yes. And this was a great sequence. It's, again, they blend the comedy and drama so well because this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I must say that they kept the Asgardian tradition alive of bad wigs. <laughs> yes. So stuck in this time loop, which he quickly realizes is a time loop, Loki has to contend with, once again on this show, getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, too, credit to Tom Hiddleston here, because that this requires a tremendous amount of trust in Jamie Alexander. That and a lot of padding, I suppose. <laughs> I don't think there was room for any padding in those pants. Um, he may have been wearing a cup, you know, and they probably just CGI tightened it up to make it look like there was nothing. I, I don't know, because I don't know for anybody who's seen the Ragnarok bloopers, he already almost got a free vasectomy from Tessa Thompson during that fight scene. So he was pretty brave to do this one. And also Jamie Alexander may have not been aiming right there. No, but you know? it's a, it's still a tough thing. And, you know, I, I respect True. this. I will say this is one of those things. There is no female equivalent to this. So I will admit that. But yeah, also... Being slapped by Natalie Portman and being punched in the face and kneed in the balls by Jamie Alexander are two very different things. Yes, agree. Yeah. I, you know, I actually saw a tweet saying that people suspect that Tom Hiddleston has a degradation kink because of the <laughs> amount of time 
<laughs> he has spent being kicked and punched and shoved onto the floor and said all sorts of terrible things. It kind of makes sense. It's true. Yes, he has spent a lot of time on the ground in this show and unfolding himself from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we leave Loki crumpled on the ground and head over to try and figure out what that bitch even does all day. Paperwork, clearly. What does she do? We hardly ever see her actually doing anything. Paperwork is doing something. Mm-hmm. I think she gets a lot of busy work. Yeah, I mean, the entire TVA is busy work. The amount of paperwork and red tape that they have, it's all busy work. Her even more so. Whoever's actually behind the TVA, I think they've played Renslayer like a fiddle perfectly, given her what she wants. A big, important office with all her little serial killer trophies, plenty of what looks like power in her eyes. But we still don't fully know yet what her role is. There's so much more we need to know about her. Right. And don't forget there are other judges out there as well. We've seen them. Mm -hmm. So chances are she's doing exactly what they're doing. And here we have Mobius again, pushing too hard. Also wondering what is so problematic, so important about these Two orphan demigods, as he puts it. He's like, we've had Kree, we've had vampires, which I thought was interesting. A nice little Blade reference. Yeah. What is it about these two that are so special? Which just has me wondering even further who exactly is behind everything. True. But there is a very simple answer to that. Eh, we're, we're of two minds about that. The reason they're the problem is because the show is Loki. Yes, but there's going to be more to it than that. I guess so, yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, so my heart rate increased every time Owen Wilson appeared on the screen. (laughs) And I think Renslayer, too. This is where she starts to screw up in how she's dealing with him. She's pushing back in the wrong way. She's playing him wrong. and. She can't help it because she's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, she just wants to not think about it. She just wants to close the case and be done with it and not let this whole we are all variants thing become a big deal. Yeah. Later on, she'll try to turn on the emotion, but it's too little too late and it's too phony. Yeah, but question is, does she believe that C20 was lying and that she... Uh, she was enchanted and that's why she was saying nonsense? Or does she know that they're all variants and she's trying to cover it up? I think she's covering it up 100%. I think she knows, which is, again, why I've made the Dolores Umbridge reference. And, you know, this is what we have seen time and time again in the U.S. for so many years now, is that even in the face of overwhelming evidence of truth in reality, people will double and triple down on so their own. So you're saying she's in denial yes. or she's actively trying to sabotage and cover things yes. up? Yes. You said yes to both. I think she's in trying to cover everything up. Okay. Yeah. I think the whole variant thing, I think she knows a lot more about the truth with the TVA than Mobius does. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. part of playing her, whoever's behind this, giving her more mm-hmm. information, making her, keeping her in the know. Maybe that's why she got promoted. She found out something. 
And in order to shut her up, they promoted her. Instead of pruning, there could be reason for that. We'll see. A lot of possibilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now we see again B-15 asking Mobius about C-20. Yeah. She cares. She cares. She was probably a friend. Mm -hmm. I definitely got that vibe in episode two when they go to the crime scene. And B-15 said in response to what Loki said, there's no way a Loki could get the drop on C-20. There was something friendly about that. Something in solidarity. Right. Yeah. They probably were friends. Maybe they trained together. Who knows? You know, I'm also wondering if C-20 ever mentioned, you know, I just love margaritas and I don't know why. Right. Yeah. Like Mobius and his jet skis. Yeah, or I had a dream the other day. Mm-hmm. Possible. And Wunmi Mosaku is fantastic in this episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually wondering, because Wunmi Mosaku is a fantastic actress, and so far in the show, aside from the bit where she was taken over, she's always been so strong and stoic, I thought that they were kind of wasting her potential. I'm glad to know I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they got her in. Yes. Yes. All the subtlety she's been giving the last few episodes has been great. And this one, she was more in the forefront. And oh, God, this show wouldn't be the same without her. Yeah, true. And now we head back to Loki's time cell, where now we get the drama of this. I'm actually glad Mobius put him through this. It's like a supercharged Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. He needed this to confront certain truths about himself and fears. He looks at her. He says, I'm a narcissist. I'm scared of being alone. And he's not playing her. He's not saying this just to get her to stop. He's finally admitting and accepting these things about himself. Yeah, that's the thing about Loki. He needs to be not just pushed, but shoved to actually contemplate and to go through introspection. Yeah. Pushed, shoved, kneed in the crotch, punched, slammed (laughs) out onto a table. I'm sure I'm missing something, but we get the gist. Yeah. Or Hulk smashed. That didn't seem to have too much effect, honestly. That was shorter. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. Bet your ass if Mobius would have put him in that particular time... (laughs) Uh, in that particular time loop, it wouldn't have taken him that long. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And I also love the fact that the whole scene with Sif, the hair cutting, that is taken right from mythology. So it was a nice right. yeah. nice tip of the cap there. Yeah. But in that, the mythology, she broke every bone in his body. In this case, she's just breaking one particular bone over and over again. <laughs> You've been sitting on that one. Yeah, I have. <laughs> so Mobius comes in, brings Loki back in, and these two are right back where they started. And this is a credit to the writing, to Kate Heron, to Hiddleston's performance. This is a totally different man than the one we saw in this time theater in episode one. Yeah, absolutely. And Mobius realizes this. He uses this. And he's not quite ready to believe that Loki's being honest and telling the truth. So 
he pulls out the Sylvie card. Yeah, but to be fair, Loki was lying. Yes, he was. But he was finally lying for the right reason. This was yeah. wonderful. At first, Mobius tries to use his ego with, oh, how long have you been working for the variant? But it works differently this time. For the first time in his life, Loki is, is being selfless and he tries to take the fall for Sylvie. Right. But this had me a bit confused. If he was trying to take the fall for her, yes, they would have pruned him, which we thought at that time would have meant he would have died. What did he think would have happened to Sylvie? They would have just said, okay, if she's a pawn, fine, just prune her, finished. That may be as far as his plan got in the moment, because think about it, he's only had a few minutes to put this whole thing together. He's been dealing with Sif in the time cell and getting through that. But before that, they were expecting to die. So he's really, he's thinking on his feet. And also he was in a lot of pain. Right. So he's thinking on his feet and this is new for him. Yeah, that's true. You know, he doesn't have experience with selflessness. And two, Loki is better at long-term planning. He's not as good in the moment thinking on his feet. Yeah, he's not good at being good. Yeah, he's getting... He's, right now. But he's trying so hard. <laughs> he's new at it. There's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give him that. And I don't blame him here for withholding, you know, the important information from Mobius, because. He wants to survive and he wants Sylvia yeah. to survive. So makes sense. And so him trying to take the fall here, it's a huge turning point in his character. Mm -hmm. And Mobius recognizes this and uses it and tells him, believably, she's already dead. Yeah. And Hiddleston does such a fantastic job here. Loki cannot hide his reaction. He tries, but he can't. And Owen Wilson is just perfect. They're so good together. Yeah, that's the thing about Loki. He He's always worn his emotions on his sleeve, but he's always tried to mask it under anger and disdain. Yeah, and it doesn't work. Mobius already saw his face earlier, and this is just confirmation. Oh, and his reaction was intense. He was pissed. And I think that's on purpose. I think that's part of the plan because he's trying to elicit even more of an emotional reaction from Loki. Yeah, true. And the way he went at him about how Loki is loving himself and how he's such an incredible narcissist to be falling in love with himself and stuff like that. I understand where he's coming from because that's just weird. Well, a couple things here. Yeah, it's weird. And we all knew. This show had the potential to get super weird. But at the same time, it makes perfect sense for Loki to fall for a version of himself. And there's a lot of nuance here. There's a lot of things to be parsed. Number one, the show has gone to great pains to tell us in various ways, show us and tell us, that Loki and Sylvie are two different people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is such a huge watershed moment for Loki because whatever his feelings are, he does love her. Whether platonic, romantic, it's showing him that he is actually capable of loving another person, no matter what he's been told before. 
And he's also recognizing that the aspects of Sylvie that he has come to admire and respect, many of those are similar to himself. So it is a way of helping him develop what he's always needed, and that is love and respect for himself, too. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a joke about self-love and self-cest and all of that. I really, really hope that he doesn't love Sylvie in a romantic way, but it's just coming out in that way because it's his way of trying to accept who he is and not be consistently and not him being so insecure about himself and constantly trying to one up and try to be the king or be the greatest power out there because that's the only way he can get respect. Right. And we've got to keep in mind that regardless of the fact that this character is over 900 years old, he's never had a real relationship. He is emotionally stunted in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So this back and forth that he and Mobius has, oh, your girlfriend, she's not my girlfriend. Like it's childish in a way. And I think that's important. He doesn't understand his feelings yet. He doesn't know what they are. I think he has great admiration now and respect for Sylvie. And he does care about her, probably love her, but in what way? I don't think he knows yet. I don't think he's clear on any of it. But I will say this, and we'll get to more of it later, in my mind at least, Sylvie doesn't feel the same way towards him. Yes, she cares, but it's on a very different level because she's on a very different journey. Yeah, because she's been on survival mode all this time and she still is. She's on a mission. And that's the most important thing to her. Right. And in all of this, she doesn't have the mental or emotional capacity to think of stuff in that way. No. Because... We know about like primary needs, secondary needs and tertiary needs. For Loki, he's always had his primary and secondary needs met. He's never had a problem with that. It's the tertiary needs and that too of his own doing because his family, to a certain extent, at least Thor, and if he was able to make friends, he would have had that love and acceptance. Whereas with with Sylvie, she's still stuck on the primary needs. Very well said. And then Mobius is the one who gets the surprise because Loki's frustration turns into desperation and just screams at Mobius, you're all variants. Yeah. Just lets it out. Right. And he lets it out because he cares. Yeah, he cares for Mobius. Yeah. He cares for all these people. And he knows firsthand the pain of being pulled out of your life yeah of his own life yeah and it's only about 10 12 seconds but my god the emotion between both of them here with the look on owen wilson's face it's just perfect you can see it's sinking in it's yeah it's like a light bulb went off yeah yeah part of him believes loki but he's still got to play the game right now right he he was still processing yeah And as much as Mobius has called Loki out on his bullshit, this is the one time Loki called him out. Mm -hmm. And I give Mobius so much credit. And this is something we all face in life. When we're confronted with scary things, we can either ignore it and sweep it under the rug, 
or we can face it and be brave. And that is what Mobius chooses to do. Yeah. He went back into investigation mode like he always does. And B-15 is going through the same realizations, but being very smart about it. She puts on a little show for the other hunters, gets into Sylvie's time theater, and Sylvie is taken aback as soon as B-15 puts her stick away. Yeah. And when she opens that time door, you can see Sylvie is a little scared. Yeah. Like she doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. And so, like you said, investigation mode, Mobius goes straight back to Renslayer. Right. And at this point, I think Renslayer already planned to prune him. It was just a matter of timing. I don't think so. I think she was desperately trying to not reach that point. But when Mobius did what he did with the switching of the tempads, then it was no going back. No, I'm not giving her the benefit of that doubt. I think she was already going to do it. He's had too much contact with Loki. He's asking too many questions. He's pushing too hard. She's testing him here. What a chess match this is. What a tap dance between Owen Wilson Mm -hmm. and Gugu Mbatha-Raw. Just fantastic. Yeah, and they have good chemistry between the two of them as well. They do. It's when she says to him about the timekeepers, oh, wanting to give you a pat on the back and wants to oversee their printing. They want you there too. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, never go to a second location with the serial killer. (laughs) That's where they're going to do it. No, I think that was her trying to dangle a carrot in front of him so that he gets like, oh, wow, I'm going to meet the timekeepers and this is it, you know? Like when you get an incentive to not look too hard into something. Now, see, this is our cultural difference is showing here. Being from northern New Jersey, somebody with enough power starts being real nice to you all of a sudden, you're going to end up in a truck. But that's the problem. She has always been nice to him. They've been colleagues. They've clashed on certain things. But they have been friends. Not quite like this. Nope. Sorry. We're going to have to agree to disagree here. We haven't seen the other interactions. We've seen them interacting, clashing over the Lokis. Well, it was also her... I'm trying to protect you. Yeah, but the one point when she says only one drink means they've sat down and done this before. They've had multiple drinks and hung out and oh, chatted. Oh, you're oh, you're buying her shit. Oh, no. Mm-mm. I didn't see it that way at all. That was another test. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not buying her shit. I'm seeing that there is history. They're both trying to play each other. Is my point. True. And to a certain extent, yes. I just want to tear her limb from limb. <laughs> when she has the nerve to say to him, friendship like ours is uncommon. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The friends don't usually execute each other. So yeah, I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, if you have friends like her, you don't need enemies, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Mobius knows she's full of shit when he says to her, that's a good speech. As in, you practice if that. If it was true. Yeah. 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 So as you said, just as she was, you know, finding a new spot for her latest trophy, he switches their temp hat. <laughs> he switched their temp hats. Yeah. And that was exactly why he told her to go find a spot. He needed that distraction. Now, I'm shocked you didn't have something in particular to say about this. You of all people about the temp hat switching. I thought I would get an earful this morning about password protection. 
Yeah, you know, they seem to be following the same procedures of the 80s or whatever kind of technology they're using. It's like the Hulk. You don't use Norton <laughs> antivirus security. It's just not done. And you don't make your password Bruce. Yes. <laughs> My goodness, we're never going to get sponsored by Norton ever, are we? Oh, no. <laughs> Whatever will we do? So B-15 takes Sylvie back to Roxcart where they can't be seen. Yes, that. And I think that's even a smarter move because that's probably one of the previous locations that she's visited. So it wouldn't come up as a new ping that she's gone to a new apocalypse. Right, right. She's a very shrewd customer. Mm -hmm. She takes security seriously. I I like her. (laughs) So she, like Mobius too, isn't afraid to face the truth. She's dealing with this head on. And Sylvie tells her, we're the same. Yeah. And that one line, when she goes back and sees her memory and experiences her her life again, I looked happy. Oh, tearjerker number two. Yeah. Good thing they were in the rain. Yeah. Oh, that was rough. And to that musical cue that we got along with that. Oh. Mm hmm. Yeah. And the music in this show has been fantastic. And this is all B-15 needs to know. She just looks at Sylvie. What now? You're in charge. You're in charge, boss. Tell me what to do. Right. And that smile that she gives, Sylvie? Yeah. Yeah, that's when she knows, okay, she's back in the game. She has one ally. Yeah, she's got a chance. Yep. So Mobius, that rebel goes to make some noise in the library now. <laughs> Takes Renslayer's tempad and finds Hunter C20's testimony. And can we also mention how heartbreaking it is that they didn't even give these poor people names? Yeah, exactly. They took away their li- their lives and just give them numbers. What I find interesting is that Renslayer has a name. So once you get promoted, you get a name. As does Mobius. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. And so that also makes me wonder, is it an honor that's like bestowed upon them or have they been fucking with their brains more than once? I don't know. So C20 realized the truth about the TVA. It's real. It's real. She knew. And is testifying that they're all variants. And we see Renslayer come into frame and shuts her up immediately right and mobius is horrified yeah so c20 was talking to someone and then renslayer pops in and says i'm putting a stop to this so was not only c20 pruned but the person who was debriefing her as well good question because i don't think it was renslayer i think there were definitely like you're saying other people in the room right yeah like, Renslayer would not be a person who would debrief an agent after they've come back from a traumatic experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's not framed correctly. Like, she's looking ahead. Renslayer comes more from the side. I think there there was probably like right. a panel of people, kind of like a con- congressional committee type thing. Possibly, even if it is just one person. Yeah. She's, she came in saying, I'm putting a stop to this. You know, like the person in charge, she came into the door and said, you know, that's it. Shut up. That's it. We're done. Yeah. So Mobius doesn't have a lot of time to think here. Right. 
So he immediately goes to speak to Loki. Yeah. And now these two are finally on the same page. And this is such a great moment here for both of them because Mobius has just realized he doesn't have real friends either. He's looking at his only true friend. Yeah, the only true friend who's honest with him. Yes. And Mobius is convinced that whatever energy that Sylvie and Loki have created together, that they could potentially tear this place down. Yeah. So I know I joked about the whole touching oneself thing. I'm wondering if it's not the physical touch. I'm wondering if it is the fact that they both care for each other is what's creating the the problem. Yeah, could be. Because she did touch him before that when she was trying to enchant him. And they were grabbing at each other, you know, throughout the destruction and everything. She grabbed his hand at the end of episode three. So I think it's more of an emotional bond. And it's also the fact that they are powerful beings. Let's not forget that. Yeah, they are. And the two of them together could do some serious damage, undoubtedly. But I think it's also the fact that they are changing because of the proximity with each other. Like you said about Loki loving Sylvie is in a way him loving himself and accepting his own characteristics. Mm -hmm. So could it also be that self-acceptance is fundamentally changing both of them on on a larger scale? And that is why it's creating such a blip in the sacred timeline because they would be fundamentally different people. I think so. I think that's a really good point because if there's one thing, you know, comics have always shown, the MCU too, is the power of emotion when it comes to superpowers. Think of how many times, you know, there have been issues for superheroes, for villains, because they have difficulty controlling their emotions. And, you know, that that's yeah. true in life. Our thoughts and emotions are so much more powerful than we realize. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, probably. I hope we get answers for this stuff. Yeah, and I think we will. I think that mid credit scene has a lot to do with it, too. It's got me wondering about that bond, the connection, and, and the power that they could all create together. Okay. And... This is one of my favorite moments in the episode, just going back to that whole concept of validation of Mobius understanding what these words, taking the time to say these words to Loki, you can be whoever, whatever you want to be, even someone good, just in case nobody ever told you different. Yeah, and the reason he said that was because he told Loki in the first episode that you can't be who you want to be. Yes. Unless the timekeepers decree it. Yeah. You are fixed to be who you are. Yeah, so this means the world to him. It it means so much to Loki coming from Mobius because of what you just said, the TVA structure, but also he's never heard this from anybody but his mother. And it's one thing to hear it from your mom when you have a good mom, you know? That you can do anything, all of that. Contralate. Yeah. But it's another, because a lot of the time it's like, oh, you're my mom. You have to say that, whatever, that kind of thing. But to hear it from somebody else, but it's another 
to hear it from a friend, especially when it's literally the first true friend you've ever made. And that's why he has such a huge smile on his face upon hearing that. And that only makes yeah. the next few minutes that much more heartbreaking. God damn it, Marvel. Yeah, and I think it's also another way of Mobius apologizing to him. Yes. Yeah. He is the most human person at the TVA. Yeah. And also when Loki says, how about a word of a friend? And Mobius accepts it unconditionally. Yeah. That means a lot too. Now, obviously, our show is all about the Marvel Universe. But if you also fly your nerd flag for all things anime, we have a podcast for you. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. <laughs> and allies, they've got a plan now. Let's march into battle. Ugh, that bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's waiting outside for them to come out. So possibly she wasn't able to go in. I think she just wanted them in there on her turf. Maybe. Taking them by surprise more. Mm -hmm. And eventually they do have to come out. Yes. Right? Yeah. And Mobius tries to cover here. But they both know in that moment they're done for. Yeah. And and Mobius takes one last stand. Oh, God, I was so proud of him. Such courage. Owen Wilson is just fantastic here. Telling her, you know where I'd go, wherever I'm actually from, and ride my jet ski. And then that bitch orders him pruned. Yeah. All Loki can do is look on in horror. Yeah, and he is completely heartbroken. Yeah, because he's still wearing the time collar. Yeah, he can't do anything. And he knows he's fucked. Yeah. He can't overpower them. Yeah. Oh, but now, Renslayer, you see the look on his face. It is murderous. Looking back at her, mm -hmm. she has no idea what she's just brought upon herself. Well, she thinks that she has the power she, that he can't do anything. He's going to be literally headed to his death in a few minutes. Right. And she also still thinks Loki is a heartless, selfish bastard, which is not the case. Yeah. And also she doesn't think of him as, as a person. Right. She just... He's just a very... Yeah. She doesn't understand that she just murdered the dear friend of someone extremely powerful who has some anger issues. <laughs> yeah. All I could think of was Maximus in this moment. I will have my revenge in this life or the next. Mm. Well, it's going to be the next. <laughs> but he'll get you, bitch. Really? He'll get you. Yeah. I am holding on to the idea that Mobius has to be somewhere now for dear fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. He better be. Well, I hope that wherever he has landed, he's found a jet ski. Oh. Seriously. And Renslayer has the nerve to turn away as he's pruned, as if she actually is deluding herself into the idea that she cared about him. Bitch, please. <laughs> no, I think she cared, 
But following the law, the rule is far more important than petty emotions. Psychopath. <laughs> so now Renslayer goes back to Sylvie because, uh-oh, we've got to contain this situation. But B-15 is gone. Yeah. And I think she noticed that Sylvie's hair is wet. Oh, that's a really good point. I missed that. Mm. I did not miss the wet hair. Yeah, what is it with you in that? I don't know. She looked fantastic with the wet hair. Yeah, can we can we take a moment here to to discuss uh, Sofia DiMartino and just how amazing this woman is? Okay, so she recently just put out a tweet about this. So her costume, you can't even tell, but her costume was specially designed. And this is just another reason we need more women behind the scenes on things, people. So Christine Wada, the costume designer, created hidden zippers in the chest of her costume so that Sofia Martino could breastfeed her infant and pump breast milk between takes. Yeah. Can we just give a round of applause for this right now? Not only the incredible women supporting women aspect of this, but that this woman was running around like a nut. And breastfeeding her child in between. Yeah. And she just had a child and she's doing all of this and she looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Seriously. All the credit goes to her because like, yeah, Hiddleston's doing a lot of work too. But you know what? He was fucking designed for running. Look at him. If he didn't (laughs) run, it would almost be a crime. Like, You are specifically designed with your ridiculous, freakishly long legs that I'm not complaining about because I thoroughly enjoy them. But that in that one clip we saw, his light jog is still faster than I've ever run in my life, like being chased by someone (laughs) with an axe. (laughs) So whatever. I'm giving all the credit to Sofia Martino. Yes, I'm a bit confused. You were simultaneously shitting on him while drooling all over That is correct. You're a very confusing person. But yes, Sofia DiMartino is amazing. I cannot believe she just had a child just before she started shooting. She was nine months pregnant when she was cast for this role. Yeah. Fuck (laughs) me. It's amazing. (laughs) Interesting choice of words there, Missy. I'm just going to chalk that up to a Freudian slip. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. And when they're both brought together in front of the elevator, they again have this moment. They look at each other and she asks him, are you okay? Did you notice that he nods the same way to her as he did when he was notified of Frigga's death in Thor the Dark World? No, but I'm not surprised you noticed that. It was interesting. He Instead of speaking, he just gives her that solemn nod, the same one that he gave the guard who let him know that was gone which makes sense Mm -hmm. it's a similar loss i mean of course you know losing your mother would be a lot yeah worse but still and that's the kind of detail you get when you have a director who's so passionate about the character and an actor who has spent so much time not only playing this character but truly studying it and truly caring Mm -hmm. Right. So that bitch takes them into the elevator. Mm-hmm. And 
Sylvie just wants to know, what did she do? What was her nexus event that the TVA didn't approve of? That was enough for stealing her entire life. And now I say that bitch, she remembered. She knew. But she lied. I thought you were wrong at first. Second watch, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, Amy's right. She fucking knows. She's saving it. Yeah, she knew. Yeah. She wants to punish her. Mm -hmm. This is my that bitch moment. Yeah. Because that smug look on her face tells it all. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, this hit me hard, too, because... Especially for adults, when it comes to chronic illness, there's often a trigger of some kind that sets autoimmune reactions and all kinds of issues in motion. A lot of times it's mm-hmm. a car accident, fall down the stairs, some traumatic injury or death, something extremely traumatic. And I've never known. I've never known if there was some small thing that set off a domino effect in my body as a kid. I have no idea if it was a confluence of different things. And you can really drive yourself crazy, you know, wondering. And what Sylvie understands, what took me a long time to understand is in the end, it doesn't matter what caused it. What matters is reality now. What It is what it is. And it's right. the new reality that you have to cope with and adapt to, regardless of what caused it. It, it can't be undone. Yeah, because knowing or not knowing doesn't change the fact that you have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. she is just my hero in so many ways. Yeah, true. Even with the murder. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with the murder. I mean, I haven't, I haven't murdered any of my old doctors, but I've certainly given it a thought a time or two. <laughs> so now... We head in to see the great and powerful Oz. Oh, wait. <laughs> right. The timekeepers. So. Yeah, I knew immediately that these Muppets were fake. Not just how yeah. shitty they looked, but I'm like, this is a set. This is like a graveyard set on a Nickelodeon show. This is theater. Yeah. And the CTI for these robots was terrible. Yeah. No way Marvel lets that go. Yeah, I was like, okay, I understand that they did a lot of CGI in the previous episodes, which was fantastic. This is too fake. Yeah. Yeah, I was half expecting to see Elmo walk in. (laughs) And at this point, Loki and Sylvie are just done. Loki looks at them and says, I've lost track of the number of times I've been killed. Do your worst. Yeah, to be fair, so have we. Yeah. But it's certainly less than nine. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why a lot of people do refer to him as Low Kitty. <laughs> and I think Sylvie's right here too. And she says to them, I think you're scared. Yeah. They didn't need to make this a big thing of trying to prune them in front of them. No. They were that insignificant at that big of a pain in the ass rather than make a show of it, because they're not trying to set an example for anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just Renslayer in there. Yeah, they're doing this out of ego. They could have just pruned them both as soon as the the hunters were at Lamentis. Mm -hmm. Just prune them and get it over with. 
Yeah. There's a lot more going on here for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just when we think all is lost, B-50 to the rescue. For all time, Hunter B-15 is my hero. Yes. Oh, my God. This was incredible. Absolutely incredible. She looks insane. And I love it. Yeah, she was ready for a fight. Yes, the word that came to my mind was ferocious. Mm -hmm. And she throws Sylvia's sword, unlocks her and Loki's time collars. Let's do this. Yeah. And you can see the bond between Loki and Sylvie here because they immediately go back to back. Mm -hmm. And they fight off their respective... Attackers. Oh my god, I was so scared the whole time. I'm like, put those goddamn pruning sticks away. Yeah, one errant touch here and there and you're done. Yes, my god, the, the raising of the stakes in this episode. I was so nervous. Thank god I was on my treadmill watching this. Was, I was able to move. I couldn't sit down. There was no <laughs> way I could have watched this sitting down. And the reason why we felt the stakes was because of Mobius. Yes. So well executed, so well paced, all of it. Mm-hmm. And because we have this bond now, too, between Loki and Sylvie, we're fighting for her, with her. This woman deserves yeah. a life. Yes, absolutely. All the variants deserve a life. Yes. And we're getting through all these hunters, killing a couple, knocking some out. And <laughs> that bitch thinks she's going to finish the job. No, no. You get a punch <laughs> to your fucking stupid face and you're going down. Renslayer, stupid yeah. face, not Gugu Mbatha-Roy's beautiful face. Let's make that clear. <laughs> yes, just clarifying. And Sylvie takes the head off of one of these fucking Muppets. Mindless androids. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see the heartbreak. God. Oh, I just felt that in my core, that feeling of... Spending years and years thinking you've been fighting a particular battle, thinking you finally just won, you finally just reached the mountaintop, the finish line, only to have the rug ripped out from under you and realize this was not what you thought it was. Yeah, yeah. And now you have no idea what the game even is. True. And both her and Loki could not be more confused right now. Yeah, because everything was leading up to this. Even Loki's plan, although over a much shorter time, was exactly this, to get in front of the timekeepers. Yeah, so Loki says what we're all thinking here. Then who created the TVA? Who is behind the curtain? Exactly. I'm telling you, it is some sweaty dude in his underpants. (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot more to come from... uh... Miss Minutes, too. She needs a lot more than a swat with a magazine, I think. Yeah, true. Yeah, Miss Minutes, I think, is a bigger deal than what we see her as. Yeah, what should we go with for her? A little bitch? Tiny bitch, because it rhymes with tiny one. I like tiny bitch. That works. Yep. Okay. So Sylvie is even more heartbroken than Loki, because she has spent her entire life leading up to this moment. Absolutely, yeah. And her whole world is upside down right now. And he is there for her. 
he's being supportive. And he tells her, he's looking at her, I have to tell you something. You and I are of two different minds about what he was going to tell her. Yeah. I was thinking that he's trying to confess how he feels about her, be it romantic or platonic or anything like that. Because he said, uh, this is new for me. So I think he's basically, he was trying to bear his soul and tell her, look, you're amazing and I love you, be it dramatic, platonic, we don't know. And I'm going to be there for you through this journey, whatever happens. I think part of that is absolutely true. He's not going anywhere. They're in this together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think we need to keep in mind, there are a lot of things that are new for him. It's not just these feelings. It's the whole concept of honesty. It's the concept of doing the right thing, being a good person. So I took it more as, especially when he said, Lamentus, that he was maybe going to tell her that he did something on Lamentus that she wouldn't have liked or condoned, that this was more of a coming clean moment about something. Mm -hmm. You could be absolutely right. I don't know. But if you are right, I'm so, so glad for Loki's sake that he didn't have a chance to say it because I don't think he's prepared for that level of rejection because that's what he would have gotten because she is not, she is not in that headspace. True. And that would have been the wrong time to do that. Exactly. Which is like, he doesn't understand yet. Yeah. He doesn't have the emotional IQ. Yeah, pretty much. And you know what? She doesn't either. I don't think she would know how to accept it any more than he knows how to express it. They're a mess. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. They are two absolute messes. So (laughs) it's going to be fun and amazing to watch them navigate this now as things are becoming, um, shall we say, a little long distance, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So. This was the moment I had to review the signs of stroke in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see this shit coming. Didn't see a lot of this shit coming. This was the last. Yeah. Renslayer just comes up behind him, prunes him right in the chest. Yeah, I think she did him a favor. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And she did us a favor because that would have been very, very cringy. Yes. No. Yeah, and he's had his share of cringy moments already. Yeah, true. But this would have been another level. And no, no. You know, Sylvie and Loki, they're fantastic together. They are clearly good for each other in a lot of ways. But a romantic relationship between the two of them, I am not on board. I'm not on board, but only because as individuals, I don't think they have any business being with anybody for the moment. They both have still have a lot of work to do. Sylvie needs to learn how to live. She's never lived. Yeah. She needs to go out and experience yeah. life as and learn how to be a stable, safe, normal person. And for Loki, he's still got a lot of emotional work to do and, and things to understand about himself and learning to trust people. But he's also got a lot of atoning to do. Yes. Agreed. This is just one of the most brilliant twists. I've seen on television, like never imagined this happening. I don't think anybody did. The man himself, 
couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, he got pruned. So then Sylvie is dumbstruck, but she's got Renslayer on the ropes, stick to her throat. And Renslayer actually says to her, do it. I thought that was an interesting line. Why? Because I'm not sure of the motivation behind it. I think there was fear because she knows how they can play with the variants and how much Sylvie has suffered. Maybe. So she probably thought that maybe Sylvie would make her feel all of that and, you know, treat her the way they've treated them. Yeah, but she doesn't understand Sylvie. Not at all. Because Sylvie says, oh no, bitch, you're not getting off that easy. You're going to give me answers. Yeah, because that's all she wants. And what's important here is that, yes, she absolutely does care about Loki. She's horrified at what just happened. But still, her number one goal is figuring this shit out and getting her life back, getting her freedom, taking this place down. Whereas it's flipped for Loki. His number one concern for the first time in his life was another person. Yeah, true. And for Sylvie, it could also be that if she takes the TVA down, she can prevent this from happening to other people. Yes. And we saw how much little Sylvie cared when she was brought into the TVA. Like most kids would be screaming and crying, but she was calm and she saw what was being done to another variant and screamed, somebody help him. Yeah, you know, maybe that was the Nexus event. We know Loki can be a selfish bastard, but Sylvie actually cared. And when she was playing, she was pretending about the Valkyries and saving Asgard and things like that. Whereas Loki grew up thinking of ruling Asgard Mm. and being that powerful being and being selfish and playing pranks. Whereas she was just an innocent child with a kind heart. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not an event. Maybe she didn't do something. It probably was the emotions. Yeah, her very being. And how she was growing up to be. Yeah. So thank God we get this mid credit scene. And we see that somehow, <laughs> somewhere, somewhen, Loki is still alive. Oh, I know exactly where he is. Go ahead. You've been saving this one. He's at Comic-Con. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else. Yes, I think you're right. Based on um this costume that Richard E. Grant has on, yes, I'm inclined to agree with you. <laughs> so Loki's wondering, is this hell? Am I dead? And the response is no, but you will be unless you come with us. Mm-hmm. And And let's go over who exactly us is, because I was definitely confused at first. Yeah, it is a bit jarring. I mean, we see three people. We've got we've got classic Loki or old man Loki, and then we've got kid Loki and boastful Loki. And on top of that, we've got an alligator with the Loki horns. Yeah, okay. So I have a question. A couple of questions. <laughs> so Okay. So boastful Loki. Wait. So you're telling me that there is a version of Loki more arrogant than the one we know and love? How much of an asshole is this guy going to be? I don't know. 
I have no fucking idea. I'm really looking forward to meeting him. Yeah. You know, normally when we come across different characters in the shows and we have maybe some inklings or guesses of who may be coming in, we tend to do a little bit of comic research and try to impart that knowledge to you guys. In this case, I am completely confused. (laughs) I am not even attempting anything. (laughs) Nope. Second question. So, who looks more ridiculous, Richard E. Grant in this costume they found at a Goodwill in San Francisco, or Hiddleston in that Smurf guard uniform? Richard E. Grant. (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. He looks like a washed-up children's birthday party entertainer. Yeah, you know, I felt bad for Paul Bettany when he was (laughs) being comic vision. I take that back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If this was his first day, I'm surprised he didn't just quit right there. <laughs> now, Kid Loki looks like a mischievous little scamp whose cheek I want to pinch. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah. And okay, let's talk about this gator because I initially thought this was the kid's pet. But the internet says I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, he's wearing the horns. Yes, but... Loki is arrogant enough to not let anyone else wear his horns. Yes. So Kid Loki wouldn't have given it to an alligator. Pet owners, help me out here. We've all done this. We're not proud of it. But we've all put adornments on our animals, whether they like it or not. And it's mostly not. (laughs) So... (laughs) Mostly? Yeah, mostly. No, there are some dogs who do uh, not only tolerate it, but seem to enjoy it. I don't have any of those. <laughs> but I thought it was possible. However, now I'm fully on board for this being a separate variant. Once it became clear, oh, this thing could talk. When did it talk? It could. What I'm saying is if there's potential, hey, we've got a fucking talking raccoon in the MCU. Why can't we have a talking gator? Yeah, it could talk. Yes. And I'm interested to know who would voice an alligator. Well, I've got a list of who I would like to hear come out of this alligator's mouth. (laughs) So the ones I think would be great, Stephen Fry, Michael Caine, that would be fucking hilarious. Come on. (laughs) Nick Frost as a dumb alligator would be amazing. Even Hugh Laurie as a jaunty alligator. But my favorite, come on. I can't help it. Jeremy Irons. (laughs) Tell me you wouldn't die laughing if fucking Scar's voice came out of that thing. (laughs) That that would be interesting. Come on. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, there have been many times in the last few years where I was like, God damn it. Why did Alan Rickman have to die? This is another one of those moments. Mm, Right. Now, it's funny, you've mentioned the this show being like The Good Place a few times. I was wondering if Ted Danson was going to step into frame to give us a tutorial of wherever Loki is. I would pay good money for that. <laughs> yeah. That's a brilliant idea. So, I've got some final questions now. So, we mentioned the timelines earlier, timelines versus alternate universes. Who might be running the TVA and 
And you're on board for a lot of people's theory there. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Kang is the one who's behind all of this. And it would explain why Renslayer got promoted, because he probably has a thing for her. That could be. And the only reason I push back on that is because I don't see why Marvel would have dropped that casting and reveal that Kang was going to show up in Ant-Man if they were going to do that here. Why spoil that? Why reveal that? So that's where I'm coming from. I have no theory mm-hmm. about who it might actually be. Okay, that's fair. Other than just throwing it out there, maybe it actually is some other Loki variant. And that's why he, she was so concerned about Loki in the first place and Sylvie. Maybe. So I'm also wondering, whoever is running the TVA, do they know that these variants aren't killed when they get pruned? Like, do they know they're going someplace else? Do they control the fact that they're going someplace else? Or is that out of their control? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew. And again, just like not telling the timekeepers that they're variants, they just made them believe that they were dying or being deleted as the posters put up say. Yeah. I think that the multiverse already exists. There is no sacred timeline. I agree. This whole thing is just a power trip. And basically pruning is sending these variants to another timeline or a pocket dimension because they can't be deleted. Basic physics, energy can't be created or destroyed. True. And we still have some important trailer moments that we haven't seen. The notables being King Loki at Asgard, President Loki, and Avenger-style Loki in the mirror. Yeah. But we have no idea which Lokis they are. Could it be our Loki in flashbacks? Could they be other variants? No idea. Or could they be flash-forwards? That is also true. Yes. I have not a clue what's going to happen. Yeah. Too many questions. And I do not have any theories. They are doing such a masterful job of keeping us guessing, keeping us on our toes without causing like the insane speculation that happened with WandaVision, whereas they went too far with all the Easter eggs and all the mystery. Not that it wasn't any less of a brilliant show. It was. But they're doing a better job tempering all of that on this show and making this making the mystery more about the story itself rather than little Easter eggs. Yeah, and to be fair, a lot of the speculation was also on our part with WandaVision. Yes, but... We did it to ourselves to a certain extent. To a certain extent, yes, but they leaned into it really hard. Yes, they did. Mr. Paul Bettany. Yes, Mr. Bettany, we're looking at you. Yes. We're on ladders, looking at you, sir. (laughs) But Marvel has certainly learned their lesson there. And they're making sure to not repeat the same mistakes. Yes. So, fittingly, we leave Loki on the ground once again. (laughs) Yes, He's got to stop landing on his face. No, I'm telling you he's a cat. (laughs) 
So everybody, before we wrap up here, we have a big announcement. Mm -hmm. We're very excited about this. It's been in the works for a little while now. Yeah. So you guys know that the music on the show has been absolutely fantastic. And we just had the privilege of interviewing the composer of Logi, Natalie Holt. We had an awesome chat with her. She was brilliant and just delightful. So if you really love the music, check out our chat with her. The episode will be dropping on Thursday. And if you guys haven't listened to it already, the soundtrack for the first three episodes is out on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else that you can find it. Listen to it. It is glorious. Indeed. All right. So there are some people we would like to thank this week for sticking around with us. Chelsea, wherever he is now, we need Mobius to get that jet ski more than ever. Loki will find a way. Zan, Sylvie's backstory was just gut-wrenching. Let us know how you felt about it. Jules, we're just as excited as you to learn more about Ravona, that bitch Renslayer, and watch the room of Athara play it all perfectly because she is amazing. And two, DNL, Amartya, and Ares. The feels hit us hard this episode too. Plenty of tears. Don't fight the emotion, guys. Just let it come. Yeah, and that goes for everybody out there. This show is hitting people hard. So thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for our discussion of Loki Episode 5. Two more to go. Stop reminding me. I'm not ready for this (laughs) to end. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, yes. We will create another emotional support group for you after the finale. In the meantime, if you guys have something to add, you want to join the conversation, find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And for deeper dives you won't hear on the podcast, check out our blog at themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. Okay. Everything all right? Yeah. Uh, you know, because pandemic and they don't have the call centers working right now with people to live people to irritate you, they started sending out recording calls. Of course. Robot calls. I get them all the time. Yeah. And they always have new numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just declined them. There's uh, no point in blocking them because they just get they just find new numbers. Yeah, I'm starting to get used to the idea of blocking those numbers because before this, like you know, sometimes I'd get unknown calls from clients, like prospective clients, mm-hmm. you know. So I would pick up all the calls, and now I know it's just the you, which is nice. And also, nobody talks. To <laughs> Here we go again. No one wants to talk to Amy. <laughs>